Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, Fort St. John, or wherever you are joining from. Welcome to Fresh Angle. I am your host, Danielle. Fresh Angle invites you to hear about new, exciting ways to see God, yourself, and others. How do thriving relationships sound? Guilt and shame gone. Hope, peace, meaning, purpose, and a joy that can withstand whatever life throws at you can be your normal. We often fail to realize these things all have a common source, a clear understanding of who God is, of how he feels about us, and how knowing the truth changes everything. Stay tuned as Pastor Dan brings us a fresh angle on God, life, love, and the things that matter the most. Hey, welcome back to Fresh Angle. We are continuing Hannah's story this evening. We are going to get deep into this story because Hannah's story, it cuts. Hannah lived at a time where women were essentially property. And there's been a lot of talk in my lifetime in the last 40 plus years about the plight of women, equality, and all those things. I'm for it. But at the same time, we all need to realize what women are facing now compared to what women faced in Hannah's time, there is no comparison. And that's not to say we should be satisfied with how things are now, that's not my point. My point is if we're really gonna appreciate Hannah and what she went through, then we need to appreciate the times in which she lived and how things were. So Elkanah and Hannah got married. By all accounts, they loved each other. But it was not just an arranged marriage. It was not just a marriage of convenience or the right thing to do or two families saying, you guys are going to do this because it's good. They loved each other. Hannah was born into a culture where women's mission, purpose in life was to marry and have children. That was their purpose. So imagine the disappointment and disillusionment when she found herself unable to have children. A few years ago, I went to a Hutterite colony and there were two young-ish women who toured us around. There was a group of us. One of them, uh, there was a lull in the tour. I don't remember exactly why the other person who was guiding us through with her went to do something or let someone know we were coming or whatever. I don't remember the details. The point is it was just her and our group. And she had some connection to a lady in our group previously. There was a relationship there of some sort. Surprisingly to me, she opened up to us and asked us to pray for her because she had been married already for several years and was not able to have children. To me, it underscored her desperation and her pain, and you could tell the weight that that was on her. The very fact that she would even bring that up to mostly strangers and plead for us who don't even share the same religion, even though we all believe in God's different, that she would reach out to us in that way shows the level of desperation Because in her culture, as Hannah's culture, her purpose was to get married and to have children. That was success for her. Wasn't happening. This Hutterite young lady is fortunate in that her culture is not like Hannah's culture in this way. That in Israelite culture and the broader culture too, when a husband has a wife who cannot have children, it is his right to find another wife to have children through. Elkanah, Hannah's husband, that's exactly what he did. It worked in the sense that Penina, the second wife, was able to have children easily. But it didn't work in the sense that now there are two wives, one who's gloating over the other, and the other one's pain and misery is increasing and increasing. 
Hannah finds herself in this dark place. Her depression leads her to be unable to eat. Her husband finds her in this state. Obviously knows for years now that things have not been good and they've been getting worse. He is helpless to fix it. And in his misguided attempt to help her feel better, he says to her, Am I not better to you than ten sons? The hypocrisy of that statement, though unintended to be, is staggering. What Alcana was essentially saying is, Listen, get over it. Like, I should be enough for you. You're blessed. We have a health, we have home, we have provision, we have wealth, we're good. We love each other. We should, isn't that enough for you? But the truth is, it wasn't enough for him. He wasn't willing to stand by her side while she was unable to have children. He wasn't willing to not go the route of taking a second wife. He wasn't willing to risk a life without being a father. He wasn't willing to do any of that. And yet he expected her to be satisfied with him and get over the fact that she couldn't have 10 sons or even one. I'm gonna try and tell this story without saying any names. Many years ago, a professor, one of our colleges, lost his wife and it devastated him. Devastated him to the point that he almost lost his faith in God. And as he went through that dark journey of grief, he realized how many times he had walked with other people in their grief and told them, God loves them, God loves you, God will take care of them, we'll see them in heaven, we have hope, we have better times ahead, God has this. He realized how many times he had encouraged people with these promises and these truths, and they are true. Yet, when he lost his wife, Suddenly, promises rang hollow because the grief he was in was more immediate than any promise that might come down the road. And it really shook him. Why am I telling you this? Because grief is real and we live in a culture that tries to fix everything. And grief cannot be fixed. Grief is not something we go through and come out of. Grief is the reality of love Love doesn't go away. The more we love someone, the deeper the grief. It's like a love that can't be expressed. It's there, but you can't do anything with it. It's a hug that can't happen. It's, it's grief. And those who aren't in grief try to encourage those who are in grief to get over it by many well-meaning things that we say or do. But it rings as hollow for them as Elkanah telling his wife, Aren't I better to you than ten sons? No. You're my husband. You're not my child. You'll never be my child. You don't replace my dream of having children. You can't replace my dream of having children. There's nothing you can be or do or say that will ever erase the fact that I'm childless. And on top of my childlessness, you have gone on and created a second life that I have to ride shotgun in and I get to watch from the outside what should have been my life. And you want me to get over it? The best thing that we can do for people who are suffering in ways that we cannot alleviate is to just be there. We can't fix it, and they know we can't fix it. But we can be there. And the book of Job is a book of immense suffering. And I bring that up for one reason and one reason only. Job, in his suffering, he lost all of his children, all of his wealth. His own health was decaying rapidly. And friends came to visit him. And they were so overcome by the reality of Job's situation 
that for seven days they sat with him in silence. On the eighth day they began to speak, and it wasn't good. Better that they had remained silent, or at the very least gone home. some things that we cannot fix. There are some depths of pain that only God can address. And next week we will walk with Hannah into the temple as she pours out her darkness to the only one who has the power and the provision to do anything about it. 
and we'll see what we find. We'll see you next week. We're glad you stayed and invite you to join us next week for another Fresh Angle. While you are waiting, be sure to stop by our website at www.freshangle.ca. Don't be satisfied with less than the truth about God and how He sees you. If your experience with religion so far has been more fear than faith, shame than humble confidence, guilt than joy, or confusion instead of clarity, you have come to the right place and we look forward to having you back next week.